Wait, what? So this happened. I'm Rachel Vallesnor, and this is the podcast Hell is Not the End, although it feels like just the beginning sometimes. Is anything really the end, though? This podcast is meant to explore the limitless possibilities of one's own soul. Why do people do bad things? Why are there countless happenings beyond understanding? Why, when we are cautioned not to do something, do we just do it anyway? The definition of curiosity, a strong desire to know or learn something. There you have it. I will curiously explore why. Hell is not the end. Clementine Barnabé is thought to have been born around the year 1894 in St. Martinville, Louisiana, to Raymond Barnabé and Nina Porter. Clementine had a brother named Zephyrin, and they both, as well as Nina, suffered at the hands of an abusive Raymond. The family moved to Lafayette, Louisiana in 1909. On an early afternoon, late in the year of 1911, a police officer in West Crowley, Louisiana, receives a call from the neighbors near 605 Western Avenue, fearing something was terribly wrong at that location. The police officer arrived to find the door locked. When inside, the bodies of a man, a woman, and a small boy are discovered with their skulls split open. Bloody footprints painted the floor, and their beds were drenched with blood. Knowing the door had been locked, the police officers suspected that the killer must have entered through a window and must have murdered the family in their sleep. A bucket of blood was found in a corner at the head of their bed where the bodies were found along with an axe covered in blood. The local newspaper would call this murder the most brutal murder in the history of their section. Unfortunately, this would only be one of many axe murderers plaguing Louisiana and Texas, starting in the early 1910s. These crimes would soon be connected to rumors of a cult church of sacrifice, a cult that was known for butchering their victims or ritual and a voodoo priestess. At first, the investigation would focus on several men with possible connections to voodoo. The murderer would soon be identified as a woman named Clementine Barnabé, who would turn out to have little association with voodoo. Clementine would confess to have killed 35 people, but that exact number of victims would never really truly be known. Starting in the early 1910s, a series of murders would form a path through towns along the Southern Pacific Railroad line. There are many discrepancies in the facts of what really happened, but we will continue to explore this crazy story. The first murder in this case has been widely disputed. It's of a woman and her three children in Rain, Louisiana. In November 1909, I believe the dispute is based on the time frame in which the first and second murders would take place. The next murder will take place in January 1911. A man, his wife, and child are butchered in Crowley, Louisiana. The police were not shocked at a crime taking place in the poor part of town, but rather the brutality as the victims were surprised by being butchered by an axe. The next murders would take place on February 25th, killing four members of a family in Lafayette, Louisiana. Again, the family was butchered by axe. At this time, the police began to suspect that the murders may be connected due to how similar they were in brutality and the weapon used. A month later, another similar murder with the same weapon was used on a man, his wife, and three of their children. After some false leads, police focused on Raymond Barnabé, a local petty criminal and sharecropper from Lafayette, who lived in the shady part of town. Raymond was arrested based on his mistress's suspicions. 
After a fight, Raymond's mistress complained about him to a friend and suggested that he may have something to do with the murders. During his trial in October 1911, Raymond's children, Zephyrin and Clementine Barnabé, will testify against their father. Clementine, being a teenager at the time, will tell an account of her father returning home one night covered in blood and threatening his family. Zephyrin will confirm this story, adding how their father bragged about the brutality in which he killed his victims. Both Zephyrin and Clementine will tell the court that they would fear for their lives if Raymond was ever set free. But while Raymond is sitting in jail, another murder takes place. On November 26, 1911, a man, his wife, their three children, and their nephew are brutally butchered in nearly the same fashion except for one change. Norbert, their father, was executed with a shot to the back of the head. Clearly, the actual killer was still on the loose. Lafayette Parish Sheriff, already being suspicious of Raymond's children, decides to arrest them both. The sheriff's suspicion had come from the fact that Zephyrin and Clementine had bad reputations around town. During Raymond's trial, his neighbors described the family as filthy and shifty. A strange detail by the arresting officer claimed that while they were arresting Raymond, Clementine's clothes were covered in blood. She claimed Raymond had wiped the blood off himself onto her clothes. Thinking back to the arrest, the sheriff wasn't so sure he still believed Clementine's account of how the blood had gone onto her clothes. Upon Clementine's arrest, more evidence was found at the family home. Clementine had a whole suit of clothing in her closet covered in blood and brains. The latch on their door was covered in blood. Zephyrin did provide an alibi for the night of the last murders. Clementine, having no alibi, was arrested. But still, the murders do not stop. On January 1912, three more families are murdered. The Human Five Gang enters the murder fray the nickname of the gang coined by the press. The third of these murders, a note was left on the wall, quoting the King James Bible, When he maketh the inquisition for blood, he forgetteth not the cry of the humble. Some reports say the message was scrawled in blood, while other reports state it was written in pencil. The press jumped on the idea that the murders were ritualistic and connected to voodoo, trying to convince the public that these murders were sacrifices, claiming that all previous murders involved five victims every time. This, of course, is not true, as the number of murder victims didn't always equal five. It was really just the press forcing the agenda of a voodoo ritualistic murder that always equaled five to match their nickname gang, the Human Five Gang. After the first press released the voodoo possibility, other press venues ran with this non-fact fact. At the very same time, there is a rumor that is spreading that Clementine is a voodoo priestess and the head of the Church of Sacrifice. A Pentecostal revival preacher of the Christ-sanctified Holy Church, who was supposedly the religious link to the Church of Sacrifice, was investigated as well. Not only had he never heard of such an organization, was horrified at the implication that his sermons inspired bludgeoning and butchering victims with an axe. On April 5, 1912, some questions were answered. Clementine would confess to killing 17 people. She claims that she had bought a voodoo charm of protection to keep her safe while executing the murders. 
also stating that she dressed as a man to be able to freely move around at night, and that her and her accomplices drew lots to see which crew member would actually commit the murder at hand. It was said that Clementine stated the reason she even killed any children was because she thought it cruel to leave them as orphans in the world. As for giving a motive to why the murders were committed in the first place, she didn't say. Despite many doubts in Clementine's confession, the court went on with the trial and the press ran with the misinformation, like implanting the voodoo involvement. Well, damage done. A voodoo priest who was implied to have given her the power of invisibility. He was investigated and testified in trial and found to be an expert in getting rid of warts? Hmm? The district attorney believed her guilty of what she confessed to and called her a moral pervert. Although during the trial she confessed to 17 murders, while sitting in jail, the eventual number became 35 in total. Her defense attorney claimed she was insane, but she was sentenced to life at Louisiana Penitentiary at the age of 19. She attempted an escape, but was caught the same day. Her sentence was short-lived. She was considered a model prisoner and underwent a procedure that restored her to a normal condition. She was released after 10 years for good behavior. Her whereabouts after that are unknown. More questions than answers if Clementine committed all these murders. The bloodied brain suit found in their house is a red flag to at least a crime, but there were others in that house that could be accountable for crimes. There is no real proof of any voodoo or any accomplice connections. There are other speculations of this being not only race-related conflicts, but also religiously-fueled conflicts. The fact is that there were several axe-related murders at the same time, and other players, like the Axemen of New Orleans and the Servant Girl Annihilator. Oh, and have I mentioned, not one of their murders have ever been solved. Enter the Conspiracy Corner. This whole story is just so confusing. Although Clementine was believed to be guilty of the murders she admitted to, another theory was all these murders were copycat murders, like the Axeman. Well, which was it? Clementine couldn't exactly keep her story straight. She swore under oath that her father Raymond was behind the gruesome murders, including the supposed proof of the blood on his clothing. The misleading information of her accomplices, that when she provided names to be investigated, went nowhere. Her only link to voodoo was a charm for protection. Any information Clementine provided was a dead end. My hope is that no one has to live in fear, ever. As always, I will never give up and read the signs. Special thanks to all the reading materials I could get my hands on, internet mostly. 
thanks to wikipedia.org and mentalfloss.com. Thanks so much for listening. I am Rachel Valisnor, and this is the podcast, Hell is Not the End. <laughs>